that tune, St. Patrick's Breastplate, very well-known ancient Christian hymn, and when you hear it, you know it's usually one of two days in the church year, either St. Patrick's Day, which is now a couple months past, or the Feast of the Holy Trinity, and that's what it is today. Welcome to the Christ the King podcast. I am Pastor Michael McGinley of Christ the King Lutheran Church here in Spencer, Iowa, and we are a congregation of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Now, last week in our Matins podcast, we saw the end of the Easter season with the Feast of Pentecost. And today, in this Matins podcast, we hear the church begin the second half of her liturgical year, sometimes called the season of Trinity or Trinity Tide or the season after Trinity. And the church begins this part of the church year with the Feast of the Holy Trinity. Now, the, the Trinity is a difficult doctrine. Because we can't wrap our minds around it. We can't fully understand it. How is it possible to, for God to be three and one and one and three? It's beyond our comprehension. So on Trinity Sunday today, we shouldn't try to reason our way to understanding the Trinity or think that we can, with our limited understanding, comprehend the Trinity. Rather, what we will do today is simply listen to what the scripture tells us about the Trinity, what it reveals to us about the Trinity, and see how Christ reveals the Trinity himself in his flesh and blood as he is lifted up on the cross. And our sermon today will be on just that from John chapter 3, where Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the middle of the night, and Jesus teaches Nicodemus exactly all of this. Also today, we'll be confessing the faith in the words of the Athanasian Creed, which is traditionally used by our churches once a year on this day. Now, it is longer than all of our other creeds, than our two other creeds. And the Athanasian Creed teaches in detail what we believe about the Trinity from Scripture. It's named after St. Athanasius, who was a great defender of the faith in the, fourth in the fourth century when it came to this doctrine of the Trinity and who God is. Athanasius suffered to defend the doctrine of the Trinity. He was exiled five times over a span of 17 years because he refused to confess or teach about God in any other way than in the Trinity. And so, because of St. Athanasius' steadfast, long-suffering, faithful teaching, this creed is named after him. And because he and others defended this faith so valiantly, we celebrate Trinity Sunday every year. And it's because of this doctrine, this confession of faith, that we see how Christianity is separated from all other religions. If a church can confess faithfully the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, and this Athanasian Creed, they are Christian. If they can't, they are not Christian. 
This is the dividing line. Our Matins podcast now begins with the opening hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy. and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Alleluia. The true God, one in three, and three in one. O come, let us worship him. Come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all. Gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his also. It is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. 
kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, Never shall be world without end. Amen. The true God, one in three and three in one. O come, let us worship him. Blessed be the Holy Trinity and the undivided unity. We will give glory to him because he has shown his mercy to us. O Lord, our Lord. How excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with the glory and honor. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Blessed be the Holy Trinity and the undivided unity. We will give glory to him, because he has shown his mercy to us. The Old Testament lesson for the Feast of the Holy Trinity is written in the sixth chapter of the book of the prophet Isaiah, beginning at the first verse. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. With two he flew. One called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies. The whole earth is full of his glory. The foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin forgiven. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. Blessed art thou that beholdest the depths and sittest upon the cherubim, and to be praised and exalted above all for ever. Blessed art thou on the glorious throne of thy kingdom and above all to be praised and glorified forever. The epistle is written in the 11th chapter of Romans, 
beginning at the 33rd verse. Brothers, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past tracing out. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has first given to him and it will be repaid to him again? For of him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God.
Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia, blessed be the Lord God of our fathers. Praise him and highly exalt him forever. Alleluia. The Holy Gospel is according to St. John, the third chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This same man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Amen, amen, I tell you, unless one is born anew from above, he can't see God's kingdom. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Amen, amen, I tell you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he can't enter into God's kingdom. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Don't marvel that I said to you, you must be born anew. The wind blows where it wants to, and you hear its sound, but don't know where it comes from or where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel and don't understand these things? Amen, amen, I tell you. We speak that which we know and testify of that which we have seen, and you don't receive our witness. If I told you earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended out of heaven, the Son of Man, who is in heaven. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God didn't send his Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world should be saved through him. Here ends the gospel. Praise be to thee, O Christ. We bless the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Praise him and magnify him forever. Blessed art thou, O Lord, in the firmament of heaven, and above all to be praised and glorified forever. Praise him and magnify him forever. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. Praise Him and magnify Him forever. Let us now confess our faith in the words of the Athanasian Creed. Whoever desires to be saved must, above all, hold to the Catholic faith. Whoever does not keep it whole and undefiled will without doubt perish eternally. And the Catholic faith is this that we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity, neither confusing the persons nor dividing the substance, 
For the Father is one person, the Son is another, and the Holy Spirit is another. But the Godhead of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit is one, the glory equal, the majesty co-eternal. Such as the Father is, such is the Son, and such is the Holy Spirit, the Father uncreated, the Son uncreated, the Holy Spirit uncreated, the Father infinite, the Son infinite, the Holy Spirit infinite, the Father eternal, the Son eternal, the Holy Spirit eternal. And yet, there are not three eternals, but one eternal. Just as there are not three uncreated or three infinites, but one uncreated and one infinite. In the same way, the Father is Almighty, the Son Almighty, the Holy Spirit Almighty. And yet, there are not three Almighties, but one Almighty. So the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. And yet, there are not three gods, but one God. So the Father is Lord, the Son is Lord, the Holy Spirit is Lord. And yet, there are not three lords, but one Lord. Just as we are compelled by the Christian truth to acknowledge each distinct person as God and Lord, so also are we prohibited by the Catholic religion to say that there are three gods or lords. The Father is not made, nor created, nor begotten by anyone. The Son is neither made nor created, but begotten of the Father alone. The Holy Spirit is of the Father and of the Son, neither made, nor created, nor begotten, but proceeding. Who suffered for our salvation, descended into hell, rose again the third day from the dead, ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father, God Almighty, from whence he will come to judge the living and the dead. At his coming, all people will rise again with their bodies and give an account concerning their own deeds. And those who have done good will enter into eternal life, and those who have done evil into eternal fire. This is the Catholic faith. Whoever does not believe it faithfully and firmly cannot be saved.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Who is God? Or what is God? What is God like? What does God look like? Is God a he or a she, a father or mother, a brother or sister? How do we get to know God? Or is God just some sort of source or first cause or cosmic energy? Or are there many gods? Or is the only eternal in the universe the material, that is the world, the physical world around us? Is that the only eternal thing there is? Now, unless someone is a lazy agnostic, these are the questions which every person in, in the history of mankind has asked him or herself. And the answers to this, of course, are legion. Atheists teach there is no God, there's just the physical world around us, it's just atoms and the smallest of molecules that maybe are eternal, and that's it. Deists teach that there is a creator, but they, that then he has nothing to do with his creation after he's created it. Or if he does have anything to do with it, then maybe he's a little more therapeutic. He just wants to make us happy here or there. And of course, Islam will teach you that there is one God that has had many prophets. And that if you perform acts of confession and prayer and charity, then you will earn a good judgment on the last day. Jews, perhaps in their own tradition, in their own way, teach something somewhat similar. And then there's the Eastern religions that teach that to know God is to reach some form of enlightenment. Of course, there are other Western religions. Mormons will tell you there is God the Father and a silent God the Mother, and their sons are Jesus and Satan, and that if we obey God, then we can be gods with our own spouses in the afterlife. Jehovah's Witnesses will teach you that Jesus is God's creature which God has made divine. And of course, there are also many mainline churches that will teach you that God could be a he or a she, and that that God just wants you to be happy and kind to others. Who is God? That's always the question. And again, unless you're a lazy agnostic then you'll hear that everyone is going to have an answer for you to that question. Now, in our gospel lesson this morning, Nicodemus is no different than anyone else. He is a Pharisee after all. He was a learned man who dedicated his life to reading the scriptures, to teaching the scriptures, to living a holy life in line with the law of the Torah, and to also all the extra laws of the Jewish tradition that they put around the Ten Commandments. They created all these other laws to follow, traditional laws, so that they wouldn't come anywhere near to breaking the Ten Commandments, or so they thought. So you had the word, and the Jewish traditions. If there was anyone in all of Judea who could answer the question, who is God? Most everyone back in that day would have said it was the Pharisees. And the Pharisees themselves would have answered that way. Because how could they not know God? Yes, they felt they knew God by the word and by being teachers to Israel, 
but more so they thought themselves especially inclined to know who God was because they thought that by their traditions, their extra laws, their philosophies and reasoning, and by their holy living with little sin, that by all of this, that it meant that they were closer and more intimate to God, that they knew him better. And so by knowing him better, they could go into the synagogues and pray to God, thanking him that they were not like the tax collectors and sinners, but that they were more perfect, that they were closer to God themselves, that they were holier. But then in Judea, along came Jesus. And while the Jews didn't know what to make of him, if you read John's gospel, they don't know what to make of him. Some thought he was a prophet performing great signs. Others thought he was Beelzebul, or a servant of Beelzebul, rather, performing wonders and signs by Satan to lead the Jews away from God. And so the Jews, and especially the Pharisees, were hotly divided on this question of who Jesus was. But Nicodemus, who was certain that he knew God, was also certain that he knew who Jesus was as well. And so in the middle of the night, he stumbles his way through the dark to find Jesus. You know, so the other Pharisees wouldn't see who he's going to. And then he says to Jesus, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Now listen to what he says. He calls Jesus a rabbi, which is a title of utmost respect. He says that Jesus is a teacher come from God who does great signs. And if you know the Old Testament, well, Nicodemus might as well have said that Jesus was a great Jewish figure like Moses or Elijah or Elisha. In fact, Nicodemus might be saying here that Jesus could be the greatest of prophets that Israel's ever seen in her history. And so Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the middle of the night, believing that he is coming and piling up the most honorary titles that he could upon any man. Jesus didn't come to disrespect Jesus. He thought he was honoring Jesus. But notice how Jesus responds. He says to Nicodemus, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. <laughs> Hear what our Lord is saying. It's as if he was telling Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you can see God and his kingdom about as well as you could see in the dark as you came over here. That is to say, our Lord took every honor, every title, every compliment that Nicodemus just threw at him. The compliment, the honor of being a rabbi, a teacher of God, a prophet. Jesus took all of that and right in front of Nicodemus, he threw all of those in the trash. And then he tells him, you are completely in the dark to who God actually is. And unless you and the rest of the Pharisees are begotten or born from above, you will never see God for who he is. Now, Nicodemus is a brilliant Jewish theologian. 
a leader and teacher of Israel, a man that many consider to be holy, who supposedly knew God better than most in Israel. And he can only utter in response to this a dumbfounded reply, saying, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now notice, the only way Nicodemus thinks he can have life is through the flesh and works of man. It's all worldly thinking. And Jesus responds, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. As if our Lord said to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, if you think it is impossible to enter your mother's womb again, it is even more impossible for you yourself to enter the kingdom of God. And then in verse 6, our Lord continues, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. In other words, our Lord says, Nicodemus, you are begotten of the flesh of sinful man. You cannot, by this way, see who God is, and you can't get to where God is. So Jesus has judged it. Nicodemus, the great leader and teacher of Israel, neither knows God, nor has the righteousness to enter God's kingdom of eternal life. When Nicodemus asks how any of these things could take place, our Lord rebukes him, saying, Are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen. But you, that is him and all the Pharisees, do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Now again, here is Nicodemus, one of the greatest leaders and teachers of Israel in that day, who studied the Old Testament his entire life. And where does Jesus say that he stands? Jesus says, He is in the dark without salvation. Nicodemus had the Old Testament, but he refused to hear the actual witness and testimony of the Son of God and the Holy Spirit within the Old Testament. So here, Nicodemus had the earthly things of Abraham and Isaac, the Exodus and the Passover, the Promised Land and the Temple. And he, like all the other Pharisees, did not believe what the Scriptures were saying, what they were giving testimony to. Instead, the Pharisees read themselves into the scriptures. They wanted to understand it by their own works, their own traditions, their own ideas and philosophies, their own holiness and righteousness. Where they thought they saw God, they were only actually seeing themselves. Who is God? Nicodemus' answer was as in the dark and hopeless as all those answers that we hear today. If such a high and holy Pharisee as Nicodemus was in the dark, then what hope did other Jews have? What hope, then, do any of us have if left to see God or to come to him based on our own reason or abilities? 
who is God? You heard many of the answers of the world at the top of this sermon. Those answers are the closest the world has gotten to see who God is and getting to him. And you heard Jesus' judgment. And if it's on Nicodemus, it's on all the world's answers. That they're all in the dark. None of them are the way that lead to above. They all lead to the same path below. Because we are all on our own, like Nicodemus, lost and wandering in the dark. Yet notice, Christ does not say that God cannot be known. God just can't be known by those who are only born by the flesh. But hear what our Lord says in verse 14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Watch what Christ does here. He uses this earthly thing of the Old Testament story to teach of heavenly things. The earthly thing is that the people of Israel were attacked in the wilderness by venomous serpents. And when God told Moses what to do, Moses made and raised up a bronze serpent. And of course, the serpent from Genesis being a symbol of sin. And so whoever looked upon the bronze serpent, according to God's promise, did not die from the serpent's venom. That's the earthly thing. But such also is the heavenly thing. For all who are born of the sinful flesh of Adam have the venom of sin, which will kill us in the deadly wilderness of this world. And so just as the bronze serpent was raised up, so Jesus too was raised up, lifted up, and exalted, so that whoever looks upon Jesus on the cross, Jesus who became sin for us on the cross, whoever looks upon him there and believes, may have eternal life. And by this, our Lord accomplishes everything that we can't. By our traditions, our reasons, our works, we are blind and dead with the venom of sin in us. We can't see God by any of those ways. We can't come to God by any of those ways. Nicodemus couldn't, and none of us can. But when Christ was lifted up and exalted on the cross... That's when our eyes become opened as we gaze upon him whose body was given up for us. And with faith created in us, that's when we can come to God by the blood being shed there for us. You see, this is the only way we are able to actually see and come to God by the flesh and blood of Jesus, by Christ crucified. Our Lord says in verse 13, No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man, who is in heaven. This, then, is what it means to be born from above by water and the Spirit. In the waters of baptism, the Spirit is given to us and unites us to the flesh and blood of Christ, so that we are also united to his crucifixion, where we who are, 
who are flesh, born of flesh, may see the flesh of our old Adam die there with him on the cross, so that we are united also into his resurrection, so that now we may be born from above and of water and the Spirit in Christ. We're being united to his resurrection. We hold the hope of our resurrection even now by our baptism. United to the flesh and blood of Christ, we are united as well to his ascension, so that as he now reigns at the right hand of the Father in the flesh, we too in the age to come will reign with him. And how do we know all this to be true? Because of the flesh and blood of Christ to which we are united in which we are born again in baptism. That flesh and blood of Christ reveals God to us. By the flesh and blood of Christ, we know who God is. We know what God is like, what he has done for us, and what he wants and desires for us. And by the flesh and blood of Christ, our Lord tells us what all this is when he tells Nicodemus and us in verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. In the flesh and blood of Christ, we see and know that God does not desire the death of you or any sinner. He does not wish to condemn you or any in the world. But by sending his Son, he wishes to save the world by the salvation of his Son crucified. He wants to give you the forgiveness, righteousness, holiness, and eternal life which Christ won on the cross which he died to give to you. And all of this is yours in baptism. To quote St. Athanasius, For grace and the gift which is given in the Trinity is given by the Father, through the Son, in the Holy Spirit. If we have received the Spirit, then we have the love of the Father, the grace of the Son, and the fellowship of the Spirit himself. That is, all this that is the Father's is yours by the flesh and blood of Christ in baptism, in holy absolution, in the preaching of the word, by the very flesh and blood which you receive at the Lord's table. When you receive the Spirit in baptism, you received all this from the Father, through the Son, in the Spirit, in the Church. Who is God? You will not find the answer by listening to the world or your own thoughts or works or traditions. You will find the answer only in the flesh and blood of Him who was lifted up. So next time you're in church... Come, eat the flesh and drink the blood, and there you will see the Trinity and be taken to him. Amen. 
Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Redeemed with thy presence. 
mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Unto thee have I cried, O Lord, and in the morning shall my prayer prevent thee. Let thy mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honor all the day. O Lord, hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me, O God, a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Vouchsafe, O Lord, this day, to keep us without sin. O Lord, have mercy upon us, have mercy upon us. O Lord, let thy mercy be upon us, as our trust is in thee. Hear my prayer, O Lord and let my cry come unto thee. Almighty and everlasting God, who has given unto us your servants grace by the confession of a true faith to acknowledge the glory of the eternal Trinity and in the power of the divine majesty to worship the unity. We beseech you that you would keep us steadfast in this faith and evermore defend us from all adversities who lives and reigns ever one God, world without end. Amen. Almighty and most merciful God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks for all your goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of your dear Son and for the revelation of your will and grace. And we beseech you so to implant your word in us that in good and honest hearts we may keep it and bring forth the fruits of faith by patient continuance and well-doing. Most heartily we beseech you so to rule and govern your church Catholic with all her pastors and ministers, that we may be preserved in the pure doctrine of your saving word, whereby faith toward you may be strengthened, love and charity increased in us toward all mankind, and your kingdom extended. Send forth laborers into your harvest and sustain those whom you have sent that the word of reconciliation may be proclaimed to all people and the gospel preached in all the world. Grant health and prosperity to all who are in authority, especially to Joseph, our president, the Congress of these United States, Kim, our governor, the legislature of this state, and to all our judges and magistrates, 
and endue them with grace to rule after your good pleasure, to the maintenance of righteousness, and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. May it please you also to turn the hearts of our enemies and adversaries, that they may cease their enmity and hostilities, and be inclined to walk with us in meekness and in peace. All who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who are in suffering for your name's sake, comfort, O God, with your Holy Spirit, that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestation of your fatherly will. Especially do we pray for those that we name in our hearts at this time. Although we have deserved your righteous wrath and manifold punishment, yet we entreat you, O most merciful Father, remember not the sins of our youth nor our many transgressions, but out of your unspeakable goodness, grace, and mercy, defend us from all harm and danger of body and soul. Preserve us from false and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, from all calamity by fire and water, from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest and from famine, from anguish of heart and despair of your mercy, and from an evil death. And in every time of trouble, show yourself a very present help, the Savior of all men, and especially of them that believe. Cause all needed fruits of the earth to prosper, that we may enjoy them in due season. Give success to the Christian training of the young, to all lawful occupations on land, sea, and air, and to all pure arts and useful knowledge, and crown them with your blessing. Receive, O God, our bodies and souls and all our talents, together with the offerings we bring before you. For by his blood your Son has purchased us to be your own, that we may live under him in his kingdom. Have mercy on those who would deny the new birth of water and the Spirit to infants and children. Open their eyes and hearts to the fullness of your grace, that they would no longer hinder these little ones from being born again and seeing your kingdom. We give thanks for those who have served our nation through military service, and we remember with gratitude those who gave their lives for us and for the cause of freedom. Help us to honor their sacrifice by using our liberty responsibly. Keep safe all who travel, bless our nation, and help us to protect and increase the privileges we have for those who follow us, looking always to you from whom these privileges come. As we are strangers and pilgrims on earth, help us by true faith and a godly life to prepare for the world to come, doing the work you have given us to do while it is day, before the night comes when no one can work. And when our last hour shall come, support us by your power and receive us into your everlasting kingdom. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, 
ever one God, world without end. Amen. We bless the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Praise Him and magnify Him forever. We give thanks unto Thee, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, Thy dear Son, that Thou hast protected us through the night from all danger and harm. And we beseech Thee to preserve and keep us, this day also, from all sin and evil, and that in all our thoughts, words, and deeds we may serve and please Thee. Into Thy hands we commend our bodies and souls, and all that is ours. Let Thy holy angel have charge concerning us, that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto Thee. Bless we the Lord. Alleluia, alleluia. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.
thank you for joining us on this Matins podcast. And if you're ever looking for more devotional podcasts, we at the Christ the King podcast now have a backlog of these Matins and Vespers services going back for the last eh, 14 to 15 months. So feel free to look back and, and see what we've done. If you can't make it to church this next Sunday, then please do join us again for our next Matins podcast for the first Sunday after Trinity, where we'll hear our Lord teach from Luke chapter 16, verses 19 to 31. All the music for this Matins podcast was performed by the musicians of Christ the King, except for the intro and the outro, which comes from smallchurchmusic.com. We encourage all of our listeners to look us up on Facebook under Christ the King Lutheran Church in Spencer, or at CTK Spencer. If you enjoyed this service, we encourage you to subscribe to our podcast, tell a friend, or leave a review wherever you listened. If you would like to be on our mailing list for these podcasts or would like to leave feedback, you can contact us on Facebook or at the email addresses at the top of the bulletin, which is included in a link with this podcast. That's all for this week. Until next time, go forth and serve the Lord. I am Pastor Michael McGinley, signing off.